Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good afternoon and thank you for joining us at the 2020 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Andrew Lind. I'm a first year MBA student here at MIT Sloan. And it is my absolute pleasure to introduce our last panel, Sports in 2040, Hindsight is 2020. Our panelists today are Daryl Morey, General Manager of the Houston Rockets, Jessica Gelman, CEO of Kraft Analytics Group, Bill James, baseball writer and the namesake of the room that we're in, and Nate Silver, statistician, author, and founder of 538. Our panel will be moderated by Katie, Katie Nolan, host at ESPN and Massachusetts native. Our panel will run for approximately 45 minutes, and then we'll have 10 minutes of Q&A. You can submit your questions for our panelists via Twitter using the hashtag SportsIn2040. And with that, I'll hand it off to Katie. Hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the fun panel. Although I feel Whoa. like I'm at a, I'm dressed like I'm at a parent-teacher conference because all the important people are up here. Oh. Uh, we talked about this a little bit backstage. This is going to kind of be laid back. Obviously, the topic is predicting things in sports. We're going to get into some more serious, actual things that could happen, and then I think Daryl's probably going to say some crazy stuff that we'll talk about too. Uh, in terms of how to structure it, I think we're just going to run through different aspects of the game and then have a hearty debate about whether or not we think uh, those ideas are viable. Does that sound good to everybody? I don't care, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> uh, first of all, while we're talking about predicting stuff, Jessica, where's Tom Brady gonna go next year? Oh, man. <laughs> Nothing. I hope he stays. Jared Stidham is ready. That's what I would say. <sighs> Do you wanna share what the connection is? No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so obviously sports, we've seen them evolve over the years, and sometimes when you're watching them so closely, you don't notice when you take a look back, wow, the sport is so different than it was before. Um, some of that's with rule changes, which I think we'll get to, but why don't we start with, with all of this increased technology that we see every year? Uh, how do we think that the in-game experience is going to change? Nate, I'll start with you. So for the fans or for the players? Uh, for, let's start with play, uh, fans first. Um, I mean, one funny thing about sports is like 20 years is actually not that long in sports, right? If you go back to like 2000, things were different, but not like that radically different, right? Um, if you go back 40 years, you might see bigger differences. But um, look, obviously people are consuming sports in ways that involve um, different forms of technology more and more. I think one thing other people might say is, okay, people will just kind of watch from home in VR, I'm not sure that's true, actually. I think like um, people kind of desire communal experiences, or at least in the pre-coronavirus um, <laughs> version of the world. Um, you know, I think stadiums are making a mistake to um, reduce venue capacities. I think there might be more concern now about, okay, maybe you have at a baseball stadium only 30,000 seats, right? But there are lots of kids and families that are now priced out of the market. I think maybe in the short run it's revenue maximizing, but you're going to kind of realize some problems in, in the long run. So I, you know, I'm not sure that um, that the in-game experience will change that much, but you will see like much more basic efficiency as far as like when you go get a hot dog or a beer, it'll be a lot more efficient, right? Um, 
I hope the security process getting into and out of stadiums can become more efficient, right? It can be like a disaster at Yankee Stadium right now. I think there should be kind of more, you know, I think there'll be a more awareness that people are going to the game for different reasons. If you go to like Barclays Center, which is probably the most, I think the most kind of fully modern sports facility, right? Like you have lots of ways to engage with the game, some of which involve paying a lot of attention, some of which don't necessarily. And so I think those are, are fairly safe predictions. Like and more in-game. Kiss cam, ban the kiss cam, I'd be fine ban with the, that. Yeah, more, I don't need more that in-game anymore. betting I think is a fairly, fairly safe prediction. Yeah, Jessica, you said you had thoughts on venues and how venues will evolve. Well, I think it's we're going to have it's going to be more seamless for fans coming to a game. So when you park, rather than parking and paying and then having a ticket that you need to have scanned, I think you're going to show up, park, all the tickets of people in the car are going to be effectively scanned at that point in time. You'll be able to just walk right into the game. I think you will have been able to pre-order just like you can today at Starbucks, which my wife loves to do every morning. And you'll just show up. Your food will be there what you, what, what you want, when you want it. And I think the, the technology, Nate, I, I do disagree about what the last 10 to 20 years about technology because literally, I think it was seven years ago or eight years ago, Jonathan Kraft and Mark Cuban got into an argument about whether or not there would be Wi-Fi and if it was possible to do Wi-Fi <laughs> in an arena. Yeah. And Mark Cuban, just for clarity, said no, and Jonathan Kraft said yes. So at him. <laughs> somebody tweet at him and be like, "You idiot." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I think that some of the the interactivity. The I was talking with Jeff Ma a little bit earlier today, but he was talking about the uh, sports gambling in game and some of the late latency issues that could potentially be a challenge, there will, that technology will ensure that there's no latency and there will be real-time sports gambling on the next play in-game and people, I think, will be more engaged. And I, I, I struggle a little bit on whether or not the venue is going to be like 30,000. I do think they'll be smaller, but I think people will want to be there to have the communal experience of gambling against each other while watching the game. Hmm. Daryl, you nodded your head at the at the gambling thing. Did you want to say anything about it? <laughs> no, I mean, I I really agree. There you go. Um, <laughs> Good content, strong. No, I think in general, um, I always think the best way to figure out what where things are going is a look at the base rate, how it's changed in the past, which Nate did a little bit, and then also look at what people under the age of 25 are doing. And so, under the age of 25, if you're not gamifying your game, if you're not uh, tuning throughout something interesting constantly, and that could be gambling constantly, but um, it doesn't have to be. Um, you're going to lose. Like things are going to get shorter and shorter. This is not not radical. People are going to love watching short YouTube videos, viral YouTube videos, highlights of the NBA. Uh, so I think it'll it'll basically bifurcate into short videos, gamified, and then longer as well, and then the, the leagues will get very good at tuning uh, in each one. You, right now, a lot of the sports fail, including ours on many nights. On You need to have an uncertainty of outcome, and you need everything to have some importance to it. And uh, right now, uh, many sports fail on this, but we fail on a regular season game against a great team and a bad team. We know who's going to win, and it doesn't matter much to the outcome. And every sport is going to have to tune that, or they're they're going to lose. How do you, you so you see gambling as the way to tune that? Well, I think gambling is a way to like almost uh, like kludge over your issues in your sport if you have those issues, because you'll be able to like gamify 
you know, you know, I'm going to predict the next play. Is it a pass or a run? And uh, you have to look to Britain. This is already happening. So that's a way to include you. But I think you need your actual sports structure to be to be fixed. And I know Bill's big on that in baseball and can talk to uh, how you want to how you want to yeah, make Bill, baseball was... good for. Well, picking up on Daryl's uh, Daryl's idea of projecting things forward, I would project that in 20 years. Absolutely all privacy for everybody in the park will be completely gone. Cool. <laughs> you'll, be <able> to <laughs> you'll be able to turn on, except for the players. We'll have to protect the players' privacy to prevent them from being victims of something, and plus they'll be able to afford it. But the, um, for everybody else, you'll just go to the game and you'll flick on your phone and you know who's sitting next to you. Oh, look, it's Charlie Funkmeister. Uh, so <laughs> you say, they, uh, you'll go over, hey, Charlie, and he'll expect you to know his name. <laughs> the, uh, uh, except there'll be an occasional cranky old bastard who'll say, how'd you know my name? That's, that's what I predict. Total, total elimination of all. There'll also be a, a, an op, option on your phone to reconstruct what people look like naked around you. So. Neat. <laughs> Neat. I love that. Who would have thought I was going to say the crazy That's just thing. called Instagram. <laughs> uh, no, but we were, we were talking before. You said uh, no, baseball, the attendance is down and that yeah. it's going to lead to a crisis. Tell them that because you told me and it was interesting. Well, that was actually, I, I was getting ready to express that idea in our, in our uh, meeting before, and then Nate beat me to it, so maybe I should let him have it. But the, um, uh, the game has changed a lot in the last 20 years. For example, many of you wouldn't remember baseball used to be fun to watch. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, oh. the, uh, the, uh, uh, we are, in, in certain respects, we're on an unsustainable track, right? The number of people watching the game is down. The attendance is not doing well. Ticket prices are still going up. At some, and despite all the talk about tanking, player salaries are still not going down. The, uh, uh, it's, we're on an unsustainable track, and at some point it will lead to a crisis. So the real issue for 20 years from now is how do we come out of that crisis? In what, in what direction are we? When do we, we head into a crisis and we spin uncontrollably for two years, and then we come out headed in some direction. So the key issue is what direction we come out of that crisis headed in. Well, some of the stuff that Major League Baseball is doing, they have the like VR game where you they, they have actual the players, Mike Trout, can he hit a ball? And then a, a fan will go in and try and hit a similar, a sim, like from a VR experience. Right. And so I think that that is helping the younger folks who maybe don't have as much passion for baseball today have some type of a connection. I think part of it is that there's other sports that have gained more acceptance at that youth level. Right. So right. if... Baseball is actively trying to address it, so there could be uh, a tide turning, but I don't, what I don't know is what are the specific rules changes that baseball needs to make in order to get people more engaged. Well, so there's, you guys take that. Answer for Daryl, they need to gamify it, but I have, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, there's no such phone. word, so. That's a word. <laughs> no, I, I, do think that, I do think that baseball is near or in crisis. I think if you're talking about a 20-year time frame, that's enough time for them to actually recognize that there's a crisis and turn things around. Um, I mean, the low-hanging fruit would be automated strike zones, pitch clocks, various ways to tinker with dimensions, plus the ball, that you actually have more balls in play. Maybe you push the mound back a couple of feet. Um, you know, more restrictions on pitcher usage, and they're finally doing some stuff there. Um, Maybe you kind of rationalize like the draft a little bit, but look, um, 
there is a reason why most forms of entertainment gravitate toward periods that are like roughly two-ish hours long. You know, movies and plays, a nice dinner out, right? Um, two and the hours. Sports... <laughs> it's a long dinner. <laughs> a nice, a nice dinner out, All right? right. Okay. A nice dinner, multi, you know. But like that's with getting there and getting a drink first, right? You know. Um, <laughs> but like, you know. And baseball used to be like an hour and a half or something. It's really nice to go to like, I live basically right next to Madison Square Garden. It's nice to go to a Knicks game, or not a Knicks game. Nice to go to an NBA game <laughs> in which there's a good team playing the Knicks. And you're in and out and there in like two and a half hours, right? Um, so NBA and soccer, they have those more compact uh, uh, schedules and I think the attention spans are getting shorter. And so I think, I think these pace of play things would be an issue for baseball, irrespective of the fact that baseball games have become kind of long and tedious, and like this was not the way the game was designed, right? And I've been surprised at um, how, and it's also now a case for like, you know, I like the modern NBA. I like the spacing, I like the three-point shooting. It's not how the game was 20 years ago, but it's, it's better, I think, or at least equally good. Baseball, it's different and worse, and it's out of equilibrium with how it's been historically, and like, I'm surprised that there haven't been more radical efforts for change already, but I think, I think it's somewhat inevitable that there so, will be. So you want to move the, the mound back so that there's more offense. Is that the intention? You juice the ball. Yeah, okay. Uh, move the mound back, right? So it's not necessarily more offense, it's more actual like base hits and doubles I, and stolen bases, right? And like, oh, I'm glad you clarified that. When you said more balls in play, I was envisioning at once. two balls in play. At Same, I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, that'd but be he's cool. so smart, was, I'm like, it's yeah. gotta make sense, right? <laughs> I mean, I like the rule where you can like keep rounding the bases, right? There's no actual limit on the number of runs you can. I, how about how about if they steal from softball and they didn't make home runs outs? I didn't know that, you know. Wait. Yeah. What? Yeah. High-level softball, home runs are outs, so you you can only hit line drives and. That's quick. that's a bit more radical. Yeah, it might yeah. be. Sports in 4020. Punish people for doing a great thing? No, no. I'm just well. You got to be more precise with your hitting. Just and huh. just hit it up as it. hard as possible. Yeah. Like yes, because home runs the easiest thing, yeah. obviously. <laughs> uh, so while we're talking about rule changes, I mean, Bill, I'm really interested to know what I feel like pace of play and baseball has been like a conversation we've been having for so long. Exactly. It, but it reaches a point where it feels like you're doing this minute math just to make sure that the pitcher throws within this amount of time and it just kind of gets I don't know it's not it might make it move faster but it certainly doesn't make it more exciting to talk about time and how many seconds I have till I have to throw a pit like do you think of any rules or do any rules intrigue you rule changes that would make the game move faster the uh, it's not really a rule change the batter in baseball does not have the right to call timeout only the umpire can call timeout yet batters in effect, can call timeout because the umpire always goes along with it. The biggest thing you could possibly do to speed up the game is to tell the umpire to stop calling timeout all the time. I mean, the, the, and I understand from the batter's standpoint why he wants to be completely and absolutely ready to hit that pitch. But on the other hand, in basketball, we don't allow the defense to be completely and absolutely ready to defend against the fast break, right? You can't just, okay, hold up here, we're not quite ready. <laughs> right. But that's what baseball does. Or Think of it in terms of a movie. I suppose that an actor, before delivering his line, could stop and say, wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta get the right <laughs> voice for this line. The, it, it has exactly the same effect on baseball that it does on, on any other type of activity. It slows down 
It's, you know, it, the game just needs to move at a more natural pace rather than a pace dictated by everybody trying to get ready to do what they're doing. With automated balls and strikes, they could just, the rule could be just if you can get it, if you can get a strike in there, no one has to be ready. Right. The batter just gets to go, and if they're not there, too bad, strike. I <laughs> would speed it up. I'm good with it. Yeah, but then when would the Astros player get the signal? <laughs> gotta allow time for that. Gotta allow time for that. Uh, while, we're, while we're on the topic of rule changes, any other sports you can think of that needs a like four-point line comes to mind? Is that going to be a thing? We need to do that? I don't think that changes much. I mean, we already shoot four-pointers. Just give us more points. Um, that is what it would change, Daryl. Thank you. <laughs> So, oh, you want a lot of changes? Like, no, do you have any other rule changes? Like, oh, I'd like to see, you know, why do, why do basketball courts have to be rectangles? What if I, they were ovals? So I actually love that. I think yeah? it would be interesting to have, I mean, because baseball stadiums have these interesting different alignments and home court edges, and I think, I think that would be fun. Um, and you could have your own home rules, as long as you had to score into a hoop. I don't think it has to be. I mean, soccer has different sized fields all, all the time. And um, the, the NBA allowed different sizes of fields until, and courts until what, the, sometime in the 60s. Yeah, well that, that's your department. I didn't know that. The, uh, <laughs> what, the, in Lawrence? Hockey used to have smaller rinks, right? Didn't like Buffalo and Boston have like, I don't know. I don't um, know. Yes. I think, I think the Elam ending. Elam ending for sure. Coming. That should Elam come ending. like this year. It's like better. <laughs> It's just better. There's yeah. no argument for not using the Elam ending. Yeah. Well, you could if you had to argue not to use it, is that it's like, that's not how the game works. That is how the game works. And everyone who plays growing up just plays with the Elam ending. You play to a score. Like, that's just how, no one has a clock. That's right. how you play. That's how you're used to playing. That's it's unnatural yeah. to play with a clock. Right. And so the Elam ending in overtime, that's done. That's happening. Done. That's happening, yeah. When? Declared here, tell Adam Silver that's <laughs> happening. Over under is 2031. What's that? Ooh, 2031. Ooh. That's the year it's going to happen? That's over under. It's not a. Oh, I'm I under. would take the over. I'm well under on that one. Can, I do, can you strenuously be under? Strenuously under 2031. Do I get more money? <laughs> I mean, they don't even have it in the G League yet, right? Yeah, that, that's. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> we went, hey, look, in the G League, give credit to the league. They went straight to one free throw, uh, one free throw for every free throw trip this year. Not many people know it. I think a lot of here, here do. That's a, just an unbelievable, great innovation. One of the more radical ones, they just went straight to doing it. The Elam ending for overtime or the games, that's, that's not radical at all. And honestly, no one in this audience watches G League games, probably, unfortunately. Well, it's, that's an assumption that you're making. Maybe not. Oh, well, no, it's amazing basketball, actually. It's, it's way better than college basketball. Not even close. Yet it's you know, still not being watched that much. And it's great. There's no reason not to innovate in the G League. Um, yeah, I would only let timeouts be called if the ball's already dead. Like, it's, it's done. You want the flow of the game the flow of the game to happen. I would not let our stars be fouled out. So it's like, we're the only sport that we're like, oh no, you know, yeah. you know, you know, would soccer like be trying to kick, I guess he gets kicked out with red but, cards. But it, if you didn't allow fouls though, wouldn't you have a lot more stoppages in games? And then it would be- We're just not allowing fouls. Well, if you're, if you can't allow, if someone can't foul out, 
And what's the oh, risk no, you just that? increase the penalty. That's how this stuff works, Jessica. Okay, so <laughs> what, what, would, what would the so penalty just, what would you the just penalty you get be? one shot in the ball back. That's a simple one. Every time. But then yeah. you're stopping the game more. Well, you're already stopping the game for the foul. What are you talking about? More There's time five shoot, people on the floor. More time you, to shoot the free throw. Well, no, but you're just shooting one free throw oh. now. Yeah. Carol's got all that Mountain Dew in him. He's really jacked up right now. <laughs> these, are all, uh, these are all changes need to happen. 2031, fine, but earlier, I hope. So. Jessica, did you want to throw out your one net in the middle of the floor idea, or did we want to breeze past that? Well, no, I was... <laughs> the, the circular court concept, I, oh, I was... I heard this idea. This is cool. What is it? Well, we just we had it a up. meeting. You didn't come to it, but we had yeah. a meeting. You were playing ping pong? <laughs> Losing. So, shall. Uh, so it was uh, basically just have one basketball hoop. I mean, we're just ideating. We're just spitballing here, Daryl. What if there was yeah. one hoop in the middle of the court? I think there's a movie for that, basketball. <laughs> a fantastic <laughs> film. A fantastic film. Uh, let's see, where else can we go on this list of random words that I have? Did you want to, let's do soccer. Let's talk soccer. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> I could go hours on soccer. Could you? I can't wait. Soccer has the worst rules by far. Not even. Why? First off, their clock counts the wrong way. That's just a, <laughs> a real, Very hard a real to basic one. They have too many players. So like, you lose a player to a red card, and the probability of you winning changes not at all. Too many players. Their penalties are either, holy shit, you're going to lose the game, or meaningless. Like, it's <laughs> nothing. Nothing in between. But you just said that the penalty should they be They only let you sub three times. That's weird. <laughs> like, they have the worst rules of all. Like, OK, but from a fan perspective, no commercials. I do like that. That's that nice. is genius. That's a business thing, though. But you should adopt that, Jessica. <laughs> oh my god, Jessica, can you get rid of NFL commercials? Yeah. Uh, no, no those aren't going anyways. Yeah, those aren't going anywhere. By 2040. Uh, get rid of the game, maybe. Yeah, right? Well, there, no, I do think that they'll be, they, they will be more integrated into the games. Yeah, they've been doing that. Do you yeah. love it? Because I don't. When it's like, oh, we're in the booth. Let's go to this Tide commercial. I hate when a guy in the booth tosses to a commercial. It feels like <laughs> when he's like, let's check in with our friends at Tide. <laughs> it's a commercial. <laughs> Uh, but going back to soccer, because everybody loves it so much, Nate, you had thoughts on <laughs> soccer prominence. I, I think by 2040 that MLS or its successor... Um, Ooh. Ooh. Oh. That was spicy. <laughs> okay, I think, I, think right, I think right now you could sustain an American soccer league that has the spending levels of maybe not a big four European league, but pretty close to it, right? Um, and I think you'll have enough kind of rich guys who want to own sports teams that if MLS doesn't kind of be more aggressive, and it's been kind of successful, but 2040, if you kind of project out like the slow growth in MLS payrolls, right, if you kind of actually catch up like the international wave, I think, I think right now you could have people saying, hey, look, I am a rich businessman or woman in New York or Seattle or Los Angeles or Toronto, right? I want to feel the team that's like Man City, not NYFC, basically, right? And spend at that level, and we'll see how it does, but like it's gonna grow in the long run. So I think um, by 2040, if not sooner, you'll have a big boom in, in spending in US soccer. I'm surprised that, you know, and again, MLS has done a good job of a sustainable league. It's a good product, but like, but you know, that's a little too conservative for me. And I think by 2040, I mean, you know, some base rates seem safe to assume, and like 
the fact that young people like soccer, the fact that growing immigrant populations in the US like soccer, that seems like a fairly safe assumption that's going to keep growing pretty rapidly. You have fewer players, you, have, you can pay more right. to the players, yeah. right? Well, then you can fix offsides. Right, you only have offsides because you have too many players. Actually, you in can soccer, just... offside. They get very angry if you call it offsides. Oh, yeah. What do they call it? That. All offside, right, so offside. Just the one. Right, so you have too many players, <laughs> so you can just leave, you can just leave one down there. So they make this kludgy rule that because we have too many players, you can't just leave one there. We, you can't leave a guy at the other end of the basketball court because going five on four is a problem. Like, but be, because you can leave, you have too many players, so you just leave one down there, <laughs> right? And so, like, if you got it down to the right number of players, seven or so, then you wouldn't have to have the weird offsides rule. You could have like the hockey blue line, and more sports should be trading rules. Like hockey's penalty box is great for soccer. Live subs would be great for soccer. Like, we need to start exchanging rules with each other. I love this. This is, I just want you to keep going. <laughs> soccer's easy. They just well, are messed soccer's up. Soccer's easy. It's but, struggling. But early, no, it's just like so straightforward. But earlier, you were saying one of the challenges in hockey is that the, the subs coming in, or you were saying it, the subs coming in uh, at whatever frequency they wanted was more difficult for tracking in the analytics. So I don't agree. I think it's great. Because you get mixes and matches of people on the floor, and you can. I thought we'd all agree to disagree with Daryl. We did. No, I, I was getting you to say something. Oh. <laughs> I think uh, goalie line changes would be fun, right? Ooh. Yeah. You can only change the other players, but you change the goalie as well, right? And the strategy around that is quite fascinating, Ooh. I think. But yeah. The, uh, I'm never going to get into so well, I, I'm never going to get into soccer until. There are at least three goals scored in an average game. I mean, I, I just Less do not players. have the patience to sit and watch, you know, 20 minutes of a game in which the score is the same after 20 minutes as it was but before. But it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful game. Okay. La Joga Bonita. <laughs> I'm fine with that because it makes goals really special. We have less players, you'd have more goals. You just <laughs> You're would. really big on this less no, players. Yeah, because in basketball, it's provable. As you go, like, five on five, you score less than on four on four. You score less than on three on three. It's like no one's studying soccer because they're stuck on their 11 players. But, like, if you... Why don't you just make the goal bigger? <laughs> exactly. You can make the yeah, goal, goal bigger, bigger. but right. <laughs> that doesn't solve there's too many players. It's a big There'll deal. There'll be more scoring. What's How that? many is ideal for you, players on a soccer team? Or like, I'm just guessing seven. Is, just guessing. I don't know. Like, you should experiment. Like, someone decided a long time ago, probably because they were playing pickup. Mm, and there's probably. like 22 people were there, so they played. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be shocked. This is how things start. Like, people just, like, you did what we did? We just had 22 people that day. Yeah. <laughs> now gospel. Yeah. All right, seven players. Make it happen. Uh, while we're talking about soccer, I feel like this is a good segue with the women's uh, soccer team being so wonderful and us all loving all of them, right? Uh, gender balance in sport is something that I know, Bill, you had something you wanted to say about that. Well, if you think about it in this way, uh, men and women are essentially equal, but there are some things at which women are better than men and some things at which men are better than women, right? But it can't be the case that in every, that in every athletic endeavor in the world, men are better than women. There have to be some things you can do in a sport at which women would probably be better than men if you let them try more. It seems to me that we can't go on forever with the sporting world and the big money being dominated by men. It, it, does, it doesn't, it's, it's 
something that made sense in the 1950s, but doesn't really make any sense at all in the modern world. Well, you're start, I mean, you're starting to see that, obviously, in football in high school. Not significantly, but there are women who are obviously kickers. There's some quarterbacks. There's some running backs. So I would hope by 2040, at least on the football side, as we're seeing changes, hopefully, uh, to, you know, there's probably going to be less tackling or a version of it being safer, that more women could, if they wanted to, be playing football. Right. In a separate league or in the same league? I think the same league. I mean, look at the attention that Carly Lloyd got last year when she went and kicked a field goal during the Eagles game. All I, of it positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think most sports will gravitate to an open division and then like a low testosterone division or some. No, I'm serious. Actually, some like a like, transgender. Well, because testosterone is a proven performance enhancement. So you have to choose your set of performance enhancers that you'll have to not allow in the non-open division. And then that'll be the two, two sports, yeah, the two leagues. I mean, I think. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> like, I'm just like, what are you saying? The high test. No, it, it, it solves all the issues with the red-blue fighting. Like, you just yeah. have open and, and then, yeah, low, low testosterone division. I think a hopefully fairly safe prediction is a lot more women coaches, a lot more women who are general managers, um, a lot more women throughout every kind of level of the sport. Which sounds really cool to say, but like, how, we've been wanting this for a while. Uh, how do you get there? Like, how does that, by 2040, if that's the year we're picking, what changes happen to the point where like a woman can coach a sport and not get attacked for, you know, lady parts? I, I can't answer except for the last thing. The, <laughs> The, the, the lower, like the college and minor league divisions have to for sure hire a lot of women for it to really start permeating well because um, it's really hard at the pro level to take that leap and a lot of teams have and we have and other teams have as well. But like for it to become where your, your staff is half or more than half or near half women, you need a pool of talent that you can pull from. And so women aren't getting all the opportunities that allow us to say, oh, we're going to take this top college coach or this top college um, personnel person. I was going to say, just look at this audience right here. And then the lights actually came on unintentionally. And it's like 93% guys still. But like, I think it yeah. is important to like, you know, the phrase, whatever, diversity and inclusion. I mean, the inclusion part, I think, is really important. Um, and it starts, you know, it starts kind of at the ground level and, and it will take a long time to, to change. I think what Adam Silver did last year basically saying it had to happen is what, what that kind of a statement and making sure that people understand the importance and then it's, and that it is happening. And basketball obviously, and, and, and baseball and hockey, football obviously a little bit less, soccer for sure, they, where, where the women are actually playing the sports at the high school level, at the college level, and at the professional level, there is, they have phenomenal knowledge of the game. Sue said it earlier on the Path to Greatness panel, and they also have a different perspective on it. You know, Bill, you and I talk a lot about the women's game and how, and how much you love it, which I, of course, love. And I think that, that it's more there's these societal biases that women can't coach. And, the, and it's really, and I, I, see, I see it where even when I'm looking to do recruiting, uh, I will have 50 men that a recruiter brings me, and I'm saying, can you please bring me a woman? Like, please. 
And I think that that is for the people who, like yourself, who are in positions to, to hire women, you have to go and actually be, be um, aggressive to find people. Uh, Jessica, you also mentioned when you were talking about a women's league that uh, it was kind of casual, but you said football going towards less tackling, less yeah. physicality. So let's just talk about that. In 2040, is NFL football illegal? Oh. Like, are we going to be in a, what's, gonna, what's the future of football with head injuries and all of this talk about how to fix it? I think it's hard for Jessica to answer that. What? You might have to ask, like, Nate that question. Isn't it hard for you to answer that question? I mean. She's going to answer, great. Yeah, no, I. I <laughs> right after the gender equality question, he's like, ask a man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, if she answers that the NFL will be gone in 20 years, I'll be like, no, okay, I, I don't think right. it will be gone. I, I, well, I'll start by saying one of the comments that was made, Bill, Bill made it when we were talking, he said, well, if you have this protective equipment that is actually almost like, um, is like it, it's like a tool for hurting people. And my feedback was like, well, soccer actually has, I think, the second highest concussions after football. So based on that, you might say soccer will no longer have heading at some point in time because concussions are well, real. For sure gone. <laughs> the uh, commissioner of soccer over no, here no, says, like, seven people, no more heading. It's sorry. like for feet. The game is for feet. You don't use your hands. Why are you using your head? <laughs> and it causes concussion. That's the easiest change ever. Just the remove game heading. Is for feet. So there's there's another Morey. book title there, Beheading Soccer. <laughs> well, I love soccer. It just, it just needs to be fixed. <laughs> So, on feet. so I think what will eventually happen in football, it, I mean, you, you see what's happening at like Dartmouth College, they were the first to do it, where they don't do any tackling in practice. The Ivy League was very progressive that on kickoffs, they, um, they've reduced the length of it so that the, and I guess the XFL has done it now too. Yeah. So I think they'll be- People might have used a different word for no tackling in the Ivy League than progressive. Okay. <laughs> Just sad that you didn't go to the, the Ivy League. Um, so, so I think that um, I think that there will be rules changes to protect and minimize. Uh, I don't think we'll get to flag football, but as as football in general becomes a more global game, which I think we're starting to see significantly in Europe. There's been I think I know there were three games there last year. There'll be more next year. There's games in Mexico. In 2007, the NFL made, started to make a real push into China. They have massive flag football leagues over there. And well, that's the sport that, that's the way that football has been taught and is catching on in the rest of the world. So I think they'll probably be, tackling will still happen, but there'll be a lot of changes. And I think the NFL will exist. It'll just be in a different form. Explain to me how football is a global game. Ooh, spicy. Nobody plays football. <clears throat> Flag, flag football. Flag football. Well, but right. but there will be changes over time. I don't. I don't. I'm. It's I met big someone, in Israel. Football's I met someone American on the U.S. It's very on big the U.S. because yeah. national football team. I met someone and I was like, the U.S. national football team. I didn't know we had it. Who, who do you play? Canada? And he was like, Yeah, that's the only. <laughs> No, I team, we have to play Canada. Well, I mean, is part of that because we call our championships like we're so. Full of ourselves that when you win, that you're like, oh, it's the that's the national, you know what I mean? Like the world but, champion. But, yeah, we beat Canada. It was like Yale versus Princeton, like for 40 years in football. If, if you think about it, though, the, the the what were were the three major American sports? Baseball, football, American football, and and uh, and basketball are all have American origins. 
And that's very unique. I mean, basketball's in invented here. Baseball, although it spun off from previous games that were in, in, in all over Europe, it, it is an American variation of it. And football, which evolved more or less from rugby, they're, they're, they are, they are and, and that reflects an old world view that America is somehow separate from the world. So at, at some point, either American, am I making any sense or am I babbling? No, you're doing great. No, you're the, the, uh, but at, at some point, either, either America adopts the sports that are popular in the rest of the world, or the rest of the world adopts the sports that are popular in America, or both. We don't, we don't go on forever using our own, uh, our own versions of our own sports. So maybe it's the somehow rugby and football start to... I mean, I, the, the problem for football for me is like, I'm quite bearish on football. I think because like the American form of the rugby code or whatever, it's, yeah. it's very strange, right? It's not very fluid. The rules are not very obvious to people who are not fans, right? And it's all about kind of the cultural legacy of football in the United States. Um, but I think if you kind of simulate the world thousands of times, you probably wind up with a basketball-like sport, maybe a hockey-like sport, definitely a soccer sport, right? I'm not sure if you wind up with like the version of football that we have. And so in the very long term, which we're talking about here, I'm kind of bearish about it. In fact, I'm, I'm bearish enough where like I think, unlike baseball, where they might try to solve the crisis, the NFL is coming from like a very, very high place, right? And you can like deflate it a couple of percent a year and it's still pretty big, but I think they might not make wholesale changes and it might kind of be more of a, a regional sport or a sport for certain, like an older crowd, right? And they still make decent amounts of money and Super Bowl's still a big deal, but like it just kind of loses steam at two or three percent a year. Um, so what year do you think football stops being the dominant like top sport that everybody talks about? I mean, in terms of, I mean, this probably reveals my biases, right? But I do run aside. I mean, I think already, like, in some ways, the NBA has become a sport that, um, that is more culturally relevant among, like, certain types of people, right? Among, you know, hip urbanites, I guess. But, like, you know, maybe that's their early adopters of something, right? And, like, um, yeah, no, I think it's already kind of happened a, a little bit, right? Yeah, but when does it happen? A lot of it. I think by 20, I mean, the one, the one good thing that football has is its episodic viewing, right? Yeah. There's a, Going and watching, league. spending your Sunday, 17 Sundays or 21 with the playoffs, right? Cold Sundays, drinking beer and watching football is not the worst thing. It's a doable time commitment, right? So that helps, I think, football a fair bit. I think if anything, they might want to cut back on the inventory, right? Get rid of the Thursday games, right? Make it kind well, of this... let's not jump to any crazy conclusions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. but another change. Mondays, right? I always want to Monday. clarify, Nate, that your argument that the NFL will go away is because a simulator wouldn't generate it. Yeah. That was basically your I argument. Just, I thank you for picking up. I was looking at him like, if you simulated the universe a number of times, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, another QED. change I think you have to anticipate is that uh, a complete disappearance of the amateur professionalism uh, distinction that we had, we used to have years ago, and that, because that's just eroding rapidly now, and it doesn't make, it never really did make any sense. Yeah, that leads in. Per, I was going to ask. Can NCAA, I just, can like, I just say that the viewership and interest in football has never been higher, versus the NBA is declining in terms of their viewership. Oh. I'm, I'm just, why are we having this? Oh. Like, football oh. is not going anywhere. In it's fact, not. they're talking about adding games, not getting rid of games. 
Yeah, why don't you guys add 82 games? <laughs> if you get rid of the... some fool it who apparently, just decided, let's have 22 It apparently games. is the perfect number of games, 82. <laughs> but the, so fact they're adding, you have it. the fact that they're adding games to me is bearish, right? Because it means they're trying to maximize <laughs> the, the short run revenue. And they kind of, and also like the, you know, yeah, I think, I think it's a bearish indicator. And a simulator would never come up with 17. Ever, games. never. <laughs> I've run it a multitude of times and never once has it said 17 games. So you think the NFL is going to stay and keep growing? I the data is on Jessica's side right now, but. Thank but you. You're you in a like bubble. Yeah, we're talking about, no, we're not talking about right now. We're talking about in the future. Yes. And you think in the future it remains dominant, which I would say is probably not the attitude football should have if it wants to stay dominant, because you've got to stay hungry. I, th I think that the fandom and the part of what football has that the other sports don't have is that it is, it is much more family-oriented. Ori the Sunday component is very significant. Families go together. They watch games together. It's, they spend hours on it. it. It actually is counter to the time component that we're all talking about. People want to make a day of it. They plan their tailgate recipe for, for weeks, and, and everyone congregates. It was the original congregating uh, game and event. I think and you can look at the average fan age to decide which one's going to be the biggest. Baseball's going to, their, their fans are going to die first. Okay, then, all right. Then football, and then Natural causes, nothing crazy. NBA, we're here. Natural causes. We're just ignoring hockey, and I just want to say it's disrespectful. <laughs> it's a really yes. good sport, and everybody should watch it. It is a great sport. It's just a super expensive sport. Yeah. They have good rules to steal. Yeah. <laughs> so you're cool with NHL rules. Mm. It's not, you don't like hockey. Get rid of the fucking loser point in hockey. The fucking loser point. <laughs> the, right. uh, Fair. Uh, should we talk about... NCAA, college amateurism, what's the future of that? What does that look like in 20? Are we paying athletes? Are we getting rid of it all? What's the deal? Tell me. I mean, I, I think, um, I know in hockey, you can actually be drafted by an NHL team, and they have your rights. You can play college hockey, right? I think there have to be ways for the NBA to consider that. It's kind of mutually beneficial, right? You draft a guy, he has like what's called a gap year, where he's making, maybe he makes some money because it's so stupid that these guys are making millions of dollars for their schools aren't making money, or maybe it's putting escrow or something, right? But there should be ways for you to, um, to draft a player, and you can spend a, a year or two um, playing in the NCAA or internationally or in the G League. Um, and I think the NCAA is going to become desperate enough that it will happily, I mean, if I were the NCAA, I'd be like, I'll be putting this stuff on this table right now, right? I mean, talk about like, you talk about short-sighted. Um, the NCAA has not been thinking about its long-term very well. And I think particularly college basketball, like, you know, the NFL is going to go, I mean, when is the NBA going to? Uh... I don't know if it's official, but I do know, like, yeah, because there's so much money, like, a lot of the, I think, very smart players are choosing to play in Australia, which is a, you know, an English-speaking country. Uh, a lot of the challenges before they were going to non-English-speaking countries, these kids are comfortable going there. They make a decent amount of money, and then they'll come back, and they've been drafted high in the NBA. I think that's a trend. And I know, uh, you know, Commissioner Silver's looking at, you know, G League options as well, so. That's it, nobody has anything else to say? No, I, I, I think it'll actually morph to be, um, the, I mean, first, I'm not sure if the educational system as we know it will be what it is, so, it, well, 
Well, no, I mean, if you look at STEM as an example, it'll, I think that there's going to be more opportunities for just like STEM trade school type things going on. So I think that there's a big changes that are potentially happening. And I, I think you might have more teams that are specific to um, like what they have in Europe, which is you have a, a team that is like Maccabi Tel Aviv, where they, they start people very young and they when you're in high school or the college age, you're playing for that program. And it's, not, it's happening here with, with yeah. MLS soccer, yeah, and I think absolutely. that'll be more of what is happening. I agree with that. Hey, how does football deal? You know, foot, the biggest reason I don't go to football games is you have terrible weather. You have, you have the worst <laughs> weather. It's true. Uh, I, I, mean, I, think the, I think that there will be more um, dome stadiums uh, in, in the poor weather locations, unless it's a, an advantage for that team. I mean, also, I feel like climate change is probably eventually going to dictate Fair that. Fair enough. So, we're talking education, climate change. Yeah, let's get into it. Who's going to be president? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> don't care. Don't want to lose my job. Uh, let's let's cut the bullshit and talk about what everybody's waiting for: robots. What's going to? How do robots? Are I mean, it's why we're all here, right? Are we going to have a world where, like, you upload your consciousness into a battle bot and then you go out and play football? Like, what's robots and sports? Go. <laughs> wow, that was a bomb. Um, I'll be in the open division. That's my open division. Oh, that's right. That's, right. that's the low T is the yeah, robot? The low T. Got it. The low T. Got it. Think of the marketing opportunities with the low, the low <laughs> T division. I mean, we've seen with, like, the, the automated strike zone on baseball broadcasts. Like, we've seen little things. But, like, I would say, as the idiot on stage, uh, like, robot umps is probably where the closest to, right? I mean, that's essentially using instant replay. And, and the broadcasting division, Joe Buck will still be eligible. <laughs> <laughs> Please uh, note, Katie Nolan stayed silent on that. <laughs> Let the record show. I mean, talk about tech. I mean, shouldn't we actually have a way to have the batter, or excuse me, the pitcher and the catcher communicate on pitch without actually using their hands, right? I mean, there should be some technology for that, and that would have avoided this whole new crisis that we have in yeah. baseball, apparently. Yeah, right. Oh, the cheating scandal to me was a, a problem for the league office. It had nothing, like, if they didn't have a rule saying, you, like, if you were allowed to steal signs like an the NBA, then people would make their signs impossible to steal or a system or have a headset like in the NFL. Don't you have, like, a headset? I don't this know how I hard. the champion for the NFL. Yeah, we have a crisis. We have an entire crisis for a sport that would have been solved by a league office just saying, steal whatever sign you want. Right. It would be done. Well, if they also would be solved if baseball would write down some of its rules instead of continuing to allude to the unwritten ones, you know? Just write it down, then we know. Bill likes unwritten rules, so you can't go I there. do, that's right. He loves unwritten rules. But, but, but the, the reason you need a, unwritten rules is that so many of the rules we write down don't actually work. So, but, it's true. Uh, we're supposed to open it up to questions. I have yeah. so many more other things on here, but I guess there you go. go to the yeah. iPad. The iPad right there. Shit's you can pretend. Crazy. You can pretend they're audience questions and use your. Yeah, so the Olympics, <laughs> are those going to go away? It's the button that. Yeah, you know what, Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> I've had about enough of your shit. Uh, so, what, so is it this part where it just says one and then there's nothing there? Is that just the whole thing? Ah, shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, here we go. Cancel. We've talked about sports in 2040 as if the sports landscape will be exactly the same or similar. Is this a safe assumption? Okay, smarty pants. Sports I think people will still want to be entertained by, I mean, it's like original reality TV, sports are, and no one's slowing down reality TV, so yeah. 
Cool. Well, that answers that. I, I don't know what's quite, quite what that question meant by a landscape. But getting back to the issue about uh, amateurs, one can envision a world in which once the colleges are freed from the pre pretense that these are all amateurs, you could get, like, the ACC could start paying players millions of dollars a year, and you, you could get what are now amateur leagues that emerge as contender, as competitors to what are now the professional leagues. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, how will media rights deals evolve by 2040? Like, will league-operated streaming services be the norm? Will big tech firms become major players? And what will traditional broadcasters play? Please answer this for my, the sake of my future. <laughs> Jessica. Yeah, I think that we'll, the media rights will be all-encompassing to any ways that uh, fans consume. So I, I would say, basically, if it's in venue, on, I guess, will we have TVs on? Yes. Um, on your phone, it would all, it would all be one deal. Um, I think the leagues will probably want it to be bifurcated because it allows more uh, competition. But um, yeah, I think that's, I think it'll be fine. I mean, people want to watch and consume. So the more opportunities they have to do that, the better. Do you think we reach a point though where we, everything goes from like, I used to turn on my TV and be able to watch sports. One. Yeah. And then it gets so segmented. Do you think it's like pendulum swinging that eventually someone will be like, hey, what if we took all these separate things and made them available in one place? Which is reinventing cable, essentially, but it's just... No, I, when, when, you, when the first question came up, I was thinking about, oh, Netflix and how it's very episodic and how, or, or Amazon or whatever, Amazon Prime, like it's, they're, you're, you're basically getting to choose what you want to watch. And I think there's so many more new sports that are, you know, coming up all the time, which is the one that's going to capture people's attention. I, I, I do think that it, it'll be broader. I mean, ESPN will probably have competition, so sorry. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, but there is, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking too much, but there is an interesting point there that, that uh, you remember the old superstars competition. Yeah. Uh, it was actually a great sport. Oh, it was great. It was, it was fantastic, but for some reason they had a peak and then they died. Uh, and I never quite understood. They died not because the sport wasn't great, but because there was some failure in marketing it. Yep. Uh, 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 the, that somehow was unsustainable. I, I never quite understood why or how that happened. That was the one Ronaldo Nehemiah won every year, right? Was right. The, yeah. 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 Uh, Nate touched on the MLS, uh, not the MLS, sorry, they get very mad when you do that, on MLS potentially getting uh, overtaken with potential. Uh, Competitor, like so, XFL. This was something I was going to ask too. XFL is being introduced as this competitor to the NFL. Is there another sports league that you think could be, you know, displaced by a challenger? Will other sports leagues get challengers the way the XFL? Will the XFL make it to the end of the year? All good questions. <laughs> Go Vipers. I mean, you're looking at me. Like, yeah, I don't know, because you're facing Historically, the challengers well. to the NFL have struggled. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go with the base rate. My, my sport zero. is the most vulnerable to that. That's all I'll say. Baseball, really? Yeah, so we're, somebody we're, start an upstart baseball league. That's, we, we, are, we, are in a, are we have put ourselves in a vulnerable position by mismanaging our product. I mean, one thing that's a little bit relevant here is, like, are there cities that are bringing us to the same teams that don't have them? I actually think the leagues have probably mined... 95% of the U.S. cities, and there are some exceptions we can all probably think of. Um, but, you know, I think you're going to see probably more expansion into Mexico City. I think by 2040 you'll see at least yep. two or three of the major leagues having teams in Mexico. 
I think um, the NFL will have a team in London, right? If it's only once a week, it's kind of facilitatable. I think, by the way, with the NFL, the question earlier, I think you probably have more staggered NFL start times, so all the way from 11 until 8, there are some games starting every hour, and because you're kind of streaming different games or using direct ticket, Sunday ticket, then you, know, you probably want games that are staggered in at different times. So I think there's things like that that, that will. I think the NBA is pretty savvily run, honestly, by the league office. And you know, if the big three or TBT end up being real competitors to basketball, just buy them. You know, Ooh. yeah, they'll That's just good. take them out. That's what like the big competitors do to internet startups. They just buy them and, you know, either. <laughs> Advocating for big business. I love it. <laughs> Somebody look out for the big guys. Uh, we've talked a lot about traditional sports. Which smaller sports do you project to grow exponentially? Anything from European handball to e-sports. Darren, I know you play a lot of Rocket League, so I feel like that really must speak to you. <laughs> Uh, is there any sport you guys see growing? I mean, obviously, esports has started to kind of grow, but I don't know. Are we going to get into cricket or something here in the States pretty big? Well, we may not know. It'll probably be, you know, the field is probably, like an unknown field is probably the favorite. Uh, esports, for sure, are going to be massive. But that's like saying ball games are going to be massive. Like, it's like there's a 1,000. So it's like which one? I'm very bullish on League of Legends. Obviously, I'm in it uh, as an investor. So, curling. Curling, Ooh, I think. I'm in on that. Curling will struggle, just like until you can get curling ice sheets in India, you know, <laughs> to get the talent level up. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, not good for global warming. Curling, I don't think. But. Oh, <laughs> global warming, killing curling. You know, street curling. Ultimate yeah. frisbee. <laughs> ultimate frisbee. Ooh, ultimate frisbee. We're still doing that. Yeah. All right. It's very popular. Well, not, not we. Well, <laughs> some people start a league. It's for sure going to be some sort of video game. Like that's all people play. No one goes out to play ultimate uh, frisbee. I, I've had a dream since I was 20 years old of inventing some sort of sport that you could play with your dog. That you know. <laughs> I'm in. Seriously. I'm in. Seriously. I would like to invest. <laughs> seriously, I, I mean, people love to go to the park and do something with their dog. If you could come up with some set of rules that the dog could understand and the person. Could understand. <laughs> I, so I, you agree serious. with ultimate frisbee? Dog, dog to mitt frisbee. <clears throat> dog to mitt frisbee was the pun you said. I just want to make sure they heard it. Dog, <laughs> dog they, to mitt frisbee. They didn't hear it the first time, no, which is why I'm, I really appreciate. That's what I'm here for. Really appreciate. I'm here you. to make sure you know you bombed. <laughs> uh, let's see. How do you see sports gambling playing out with college sports and leagues? I would think Pretty they'll simple. have it for sure. I mean, right. Yeah. All right. Just gambling I think everywhere. Probably. I think it'll grow, and then you'll have some huge scandals, and people will pretend that they care, and then it'll keep growing. That's pretty much it. This seems like a very specific question, but at Nate, how many Triple Crown winners will we see between 2020 and 2040? Ooh. At me specifically? Yes, says at Nate. I'll just go with a bit one and a half, I guess, right? Half of a horse? <laughs> I think no, Bill, were, Bill, you, you probably have a stat half. for that. No, uh, yeah, you would, I mean. They asked Nate. They did, <laughs> they did. I guess it's kind of more likely now because there aren't any like, there are fewer and fewer few, uh, pure for average hitters anymore, which is one of the things I think kind of is bad about baseball now is like you no longer see stylistic differences in like, in the way people approach the game. So, you know, you may be more likely to win a triple crown now with like a 311 batting average or something. Right. Uh, what? Will talent evaluation be like for major sports? 
I feel like that's you, Daryl. You should take that. <laughs> I mean, I think it'll be, hmm. I mean, there might, might be genetic testing. Yeah? Uh, yeah, that would be my, I don't know. <laughs> Let's not finish with that question. Go. Keep. I know. Well, that was the, they're typing it as I'm in here, so I'm like, uh, timer says nothing. But if you're going to keep adding questions, I'll ask. Start counting up like soccer. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, it's not sports specific, but will we have in-season tournaments? Oh, for sure. The M that's coming to the NBA, and I don't understand. Like they're they're adding like in Europe, that's a big thing. You have all these tournaments. It's great. Um, you can win multiple things. It's awesome. Uh, and I know the commissioner is looking at that, and people don't like the first idea. Well, if you don't like the first idea, just start with something, and we'll keep working on it. It's for sure a good conceptual idea for a sport to make money, giving thing, more things to win, more things to tune into. Right. It's for sure the right, the right solution in all sports. Right. Why, why can't, not to badmouth spring training, but why can't half of this be, be replaced with a, a preseason tournament that actually yeah. means something. The NBA did that with Summer League as a tournament uh -huh. in the Summer League. I, I agree with that. That's right. Yeah. Cool. I feel like that's a good place to end it on. <laughs> I don't know. I really wanted you guys to say something spicy about robots playing sports. Do you think a robot could play basketball, Daryl? We'll end on that. Oh, for sure. Not even a question. All right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Panel. Yay. <laughs>